Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Perkins Platform. This is a solutions-oriented podcast and live radio show. Each broadcast, we dedicate just about 30 minutes to explore topics of interest for leaders and professionals in education and a variety of other disciplines. And this is your host, Brian Perkins. Uh, welcome back, everyone, to another week of another exciting guest. Um, we have with us today um, a guest who uh, has uh, written a book and shares his thoughts um, on a topic that some people have already written to me today about um, their anxiety, learning that there's uh, uh, another way to do work other than multitasking. Um, I've had a few different emails and text messages like, oh, no, uh, you're going to take away my ability to do uh, multiple things at the same time. And so I have with us author Thatcher Wine, uh, who is the founder and CEO of Juniper Books, um, and it's a company based in Boulder, Colorado. But uh, what I have Thatcher on to talk about today is um, his his book, Monotasking, the 12 Monotasks. Um, and uh, he believes that you should do one thing at a time to do everything better. So welcome, Thatcher. Thanks, Brian. It's really nice to be here. Well, pleasure to have you. So I'm just going to jump right in and tell you right right up front. You know, I I put you you may have seen already today. I posted on LinkedIn, you know, that you were going to be on the show, and um, and probably while I was posting, I was probably doing about two or three other things at the same time. You know, <laughs> um, and it's something that a lot of people do now. In fairness, it's not the first time, like reading some of your work wasn't the first time I had heard of this idea. In fact, one of my colleagues years ago said to me that he had read something. It might have been your work, but he um, he said he had read something and said, you don't truly multitask. Um, and so there's some brain science behind it as well. And so he tried to convince me years ago not to multitask and I kind of ignored that of course and just like a lot of people do and I, I, I at least what I was doing was thinking that I was uh, monotasking I mean uh, multitasking but I'm just eager to hear um, a little bit more if you could give us a sneak preview um, what you have have indicated are the 12 monotasks so love to hear about that yeah, I'd be happy to do that. And for your listeners who are concerned that they're never going to be able to multitask again after listening to this interview, I just want to allay that concern. <laughs> this is not about, like, achieving some sort of monotasking sainthood, you know, where you arrive and you always do one thing for the rest of your life. No. I mean, multitasking is something we're going to switch back and forth to do sometimes. But my whole point in the book is that it should be our choice. We should kind of know when we're doing six things at once or three things at once and when we're doing one thing at a time. And we should be able to make that choice to monotask when things are important, when we need to do something, we want to do something, when we want to be really present with the people we're with, we care about, when we want to listen and hear everything. And everything in our world, like, teaches us to do the opposite of that, to multitask all the time. 
Um, yeah. Our phones, you know, distract us and tempt us into it all the time. They make us think we're good at it, right? Yeah. And, yeah, so habitually it's just become part of what we, we think we should be doing. We, we think we can do it. But like you said, what your friend said, I mean, it's, we're not actually multitasking. We're not mm-hmm. doing more than one thing at a time. We're task switching. We make it look like we're busy. We're doing this. We're doing that. We're doing the other thing. But unless it's something kind of mindless as your background task, like listening to music and then mm-hmm. folding laundry as your foreground task, like you're not really doing two things at once. And in that case, it's questionable about whether you're really listening to the music. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, when it comes to really important things we need to get done, I, I wrote the book um, largely, you know, based on my own experience and then researching the neuroscience around it and came up with this idea about building our monotasking muscles. How can we strengthen our ability to do one thing at a time? And that's through the 12 monotasks. That's by okay. doing things like reading, listening, going for a walk. So that's a short preview of three of them. We can talk about more of them over, over the next few minutes. Excellent. That's that's uh, interesting that you you say um, that what we're doing is is task switching, and I think you're probably. I mean that that just makes so much more sense to me. Um, you know, I know that I, I do. I teach classes, graduate school classes. I also uh, do workshops, and probably in the last three to four years more than I used to in the ten years before that, but I probably in the last few years, I started asking people to turn off your phones uh, or, you know, put your phones away and for the purpose of being present. And so for me, that just means that, um, that I, you know, and I tell them, I understand we're going to have the time, you know, at this time, you'll have this much time to check, you know, make your Facebook posts or whatever. But what I want you to do is be really present. Now, I know that means one thing for me, but you said it. You said, you know, being present with the ones we care about, love, or what have you. But tell me what you mean when you say um, you think it's important for people to be present. What does that actually look like? Well, your example is a great one. And there, there's a chapter in the book about teaching, and there's a chapter in the book about learning. So two sides, you know, of the same experience. You know, you as a teacher in front of that classroom, you can't be posting on Instagram while you're doing it and, you know, checking your email. Um, it requires, you know, your presence and your full attention to do a great job in the classroom. On the other side, you know, of learning, um, you know, people multitask while they're in class, especially because they have a device often that they're taking notes on or, or reading materials on. And there's a difference between, you know, partially paying attention and fully paying attention. Mm-hmm. And we always have a choice, like in any given moment, to, to figure out, are we, should we pay full attention? Should we monotask something, including listening to a lecture or doing something in class? Or, you know, is this a situation where I just want to partially pay attention and, you know, watch Netflix while eating dinner and chatting with friends. And that's fine sure. if, we, yeah. if we decide to do that. Yeah. So being fully, yeah, being fully present to me is, is, is doing one thing um, because you can't, you, make, you can make it look like you're doing multiple things at once, but you're actually only physically in one place. You're doing one thing at a time. You could be task switching. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and you are with the people you're with in the real world. Um, and so if you think about being present, you know, on those three dimensions, um, then you really realize where you can do your best. Sure. Sure. You know, you, you also mentioned all of the devices now that we have that are making demands for our attention. So they are phones, they are iPads and watches and, you know, things you wear on your headset or what have you. And, and so I know there are a lot of, uh, when we start talking about in the education realm, you know, I, I have a lot of listeners that are education leaders, policymakers and the like. And I know in some of these areas, they really are interested in knowing more about, you know, maybe if you have some recommendations about the idea of this, you know, whether task switching can, is possible in a, in a learning environment. Um, and, and here's what I have in mind mostly, you know, that, um, when we talk about the use of cell phones, whether it's in schools or in workshops or whatever, um, I, I, so I have my idea about this, which is that, um, especially when it comes to, say, teenagers today, um, is that they have, my opinion is, is that they've become, it has become a part of how they understand the world, how they experience the world. And so when, in fact, you take away devices from them they spend more time worrying about what's happening that it could be nothing but that they don't have access to it and so they spend more time worrying about it so i want to ask you this question is that so is it do you think it possible for um let's say a lesson is going on and something happens like say um just responsibly a uh, let's say a beep goes off in class and or, or a kid is notified and maybe not it's a beep, but the kid knows that a message is on their phone and they're listening to the teacher and then they pick up the phone, look, oh, it's nothing, put it down. Can they go back to paying attention? Is that more productive than um, they know there's a message there and they're, they have to wait a full hour and their distraction is going back to it over and over again. Um, what do you think about that? What, what, what would you say is the better way to remain pro, uh, productive or, or present? You raise a lot of, you know, really important issues. Um, you know, on that specific question, I, I think it's better to, basically put your phone away and okay. do one thing, which is, you know, be in class and mm -hmm. not either be distracted by seeing the message or by hearing the notification. Um, but I think the other part that goes along with that is to set, you know, appropriate expectations that, that you're not going to respond instantaneously to everything. We, we've all gotten so used to everybody else writing right back to us. And the more we do it, the more we set the expectation that, you know, something's wrong True. if we didn't, if we don't yeah. do it. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. But people, you know, who know and, and work with me know that, you know, I will often say, this, this is really important, you know, your email, and I want to give it some thought. It's not going to be till next Monday that I get back to you. And, but they know that when I do get back to them or when I have a meeting with them, they're going to get my full attention and it's going to be worth it. Mm-hmm. 
mm-hmm. saying that and then practicing it, especially for kids. And I have two teenagers um, who hopefully are listening now. <laughs> um, <laughs> they, you know, it's, it's hard to hear that. And, and there's a lot of young people are convinced that they can multitask, that it's no big mm-hmm. deal, that it doesn't take yeah. a toll on their attention. Mm-hmm. to see their phone nearby or to hear it being or to, mm-hmm. you know, do those things. And, and like you said, they are worried that they're going to be 600 messages by the time they're out of class and they have to respond, you know, to all of them and that causes stress. Yeah. So, so it's not easy. I know that, but I think there are things we can do. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I know that, you know, based on some of the things that I read that you said that, you know, this, idea of monotasking uh, grew out of your own efforts to improve your productivity and creativity. So I'd love, I'd love to address both of those separately. So first tell me a little bit about how it made you more productive, but then I'm really eager to hear also about how you think it made you more uh, creative. So let's start with the productivity question. So I've been an entrepreneur pretty much my whole life, and my current business, Juniper Books, I founded in 2001. It's a very creative, um, prolific business, kind of at the intersection of books and design. Uh, we sell all these special edition book sets, including editions of Harry Potter, Jane Austen, cookbooks, kids' books. And we also create these custom libraries for hotels and private homes. Wow. And so, it's, yeah, it's very much about, like, innovation of the printed book and making books look like, you know, you've never seen them before. They're artistic and you want to buy them and keep them forever and display them on your shelves and really tell the story of, of who you are across your bookshelves. And that's largely what my Ted talk um, is about. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it was going well (laughs) for, for many years and we were very creative and like getting a lot of good publicity and then the business was growing. And then I personally kind of hit, um, several personal challenges. I, I had cancer, non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, about four and a half years ago. I went through a divorce. I was you know, just super distracted trying to be a good parent and mm-hmm. run mm-hmm. the business and do it all, you know, like, like mm-hmm. everybody wants to do in, in life. Um, but I found that because I was trying to make up for lost time, I was multitasking more and more to try to be creative and be successful, and I was just so exhausted all the time. Mm-hmm. And I was treading water, you know, it was one step forward, two steps back. And so it was really around then that I, I decided, you know, there must be a better way to do this. There was probably a, di- a way that I did it before I fell so far behind and got so distracted mm-hmm. by the things I was mm-hmm. going through. Mm-hmm. So I basically started researching, you know, productivity methods, and I couldn't find one that really worked great for me. Um, and then I basically kind of returned to what I knew. Um, which was that reading books helped me slow down, calm my nervous system, consolidate my attention span in one place on the printed page. And if I just started reading a little bit every day, I felt much better. And then the next day I'd, well, I'd get better sleep that night. Mm. And the next day I'd get more done. Mm-hmm. So I started applying that idea to, of like, could I pay attention to other things in life the same way I pay attention to reading a book? Mm-hmm. Could I listen in a conversation with my full attention, mm-hmm. not mm-hmm. have my attention be fragmented and distracted by my phone? Could I go mm-hmm. on a walk without mm-hmm. my phone and <laughs> just mm-hmm. walk? Could I, um, you know, instead of like worrying about the day and all the stuff I had to do the next day when going to sleep, like 
could I just focus on going to sleep and mm. not reach for my phone in the middle of the night? Yes. That's really how each monotask kind of built on the next one. And I just kept going and, and I found that, you know, there wasn't, there's nothing in this world that if you don't pay attention to it with your full attention, you don't do it better. Yeah. And you, we think we're going to get more done by multitasking. The reality is we're, we get, we're more productive when we monotask. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We make fewer mistakes and we're less stressed. Uh-huh. We talked about task switching before. Task switching causes the stress on us because we don't, we don't really know why we can't feel good about the things that we're doing. If we go from an email to a presentation to a phone call to a conversation mm-hmm. with our kids, we're like, we're doing we're so busy, we're getting all this done. But then even if you get it done, like you don't feel good. You feel kind of exhausted. Yeah. So, yeah, so it's really when we do one thing at a time, um, we can get more done and we can feel better about it. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, you're saying so many things that resonate with me. I coach a lot of leaders and at very high levels, and I know that a lot of times I see and I hear them doing multiple things. You know, one of, one of my favorite stories is about one of my, my one of my students came and told me when she got promoted to be principal. Um, you know, she got called into the superintendent's office, and there was a room of people waiting for the superintendent to get off the phone to continue their meeting. But the superintendent was on the phone. And while uh, when she walked, the secretary said that for her to go ahead and walk in. And so I I could see this whole picture unfold. But she said when when she walked in, he saw her, he put the phone, you know, up against his chest uh, to say um, and and went down to his desk, grabbed a set of keys and said, hey, here, you're going to be the uh you're going to be the the principal at king and then gave her the gave her the keys and then kind of rushed her out the room like okay go and went back to talking on the phone so it's like all there are a lot of leaders that operate like that on a regular basis so um certainly i i can see in some extreme places where your productivity suffers um i can see also where you are um, probably less stressed. Um, it's just that when I think about productivity and see, I think what I'm hearing you say is that also it is your mindset because for me, I'm listening to you and I'm going, yes, yes. But it still just feels like if I do things that I know I can do at the same time, I still feel like I'm getting more done. And what I'm hearing you say is, yeah, you might, but you're really not. Is that, is that what you're saying? Because it, it feels like I'm actually doing more. Now, I, now that's not to say it's, it's not without its own drawbacks. Sometimes uh, if, uh, while it might be that I'm able to get, a, or it appears that I'm getting a lot done, um, the accuracy might suffer sometimes too. So, but am I hearing you correctly? Is that it's all in my head? I think I'm being more productive, but I'm actually not. So I would. Um, so it's basically if you're doing cognitive heavy tasks that really require your brain, if you chart it out, how long it takes you to do multiple things at the same time versus if you did one, you finished it, took a break and you did the next one. Mm -hmm. I would argue that it's always going to be faster um, and better quality work to do one thing at a time. Now, somebody listening might say, you know, but if I 
you know, go work out at the gym and I don't listen to music for an hour and then I listen to music for an hour, that takes two hours, right? Mm-hmm. Those aren't like cognitive heavy tasks, right? I'm not talking about that. Yeah. Yeah. I'm talking about yeah. things where you really need to be present. You yeah. need to do your best work thinking about, you know, the context of the call you're making to a customer or a meeting yeah. you're having yeah. with a student, a report you're writing. Um, you name it. And so those things, you know, have, um, they require your full attention. And then there's a switching cost if you do want to, um, you know, go from one to the other. There's mm-hmm. there's something called attention residue where you pay attention to one thing and then you kind of need to like reset before you move on to the next thing and fully understand um, what's going on. And, and for some people, studies have been done. It takes 23 minutes to basically transition from one task to another. Wow. Um, so if it's going to take that, and, and, and that, those are things that like previously you might try to do, you know, the email, then the presentation, the phone call, but, you know, just go back and forth and back and forth. And yep. if we're not giving ourselves time to really like establish the context of what we're working on, what we're doing and do it well, like we're just creating stress um, mm-hmm. going back and forth. Mm-hmm. Makes sense. Makes sense. So now what about creativity? Now this one, I know, you know, at least I've, I've developed a great level of respect for what um, paying attention to what you're doing does for creativity. Um, How did it help you? And in what ways did you, are there strategies you used to make yourself more creative um, through monotasking? Yeah, and creativity is a really interesting one, and and I read about it. There's a chapter all about creating in the book. Um, sometimes you, I get my best creative work done by focusing on it and doing deep work. Um, to borrow a, a Cal Newport term, there's a book called Deep Work, which is influential on on my writing. Um, and sometimes I just need to completely do something different. Go for a bike ride, go on a trip, and that's when my most creative ideas come to me. So the monotasking to me really is, is two parts. You're, you're both kind of monotasking your self-assessment, your understanding of how you do your best work when you're the most relaxed, stress-free, the happiest, the most connected and all those things. Um, and then you're also monotasking the actual work, the creativity. Mm-hmm. So for me, like, you know, I know basically physically where I get my best work done um, at my desk in my home office and I've worked on the ergonomics and, you know, wearing headphones and things that really allow me to focus and do that. Um, but then I don't push it too hard. If, if I start to get exhausted or I'm not coming up with good ideas, like I'll go for a walk, I'll go mm-hmm. do mm-hmm. something completely different. Um, and knowing that about yourself, I think is really important. Yeah. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. And also, just as you were talking about stress, I've had a number of people who have said things like, um, but even that the people that either supervise them or, you know, are responsible for giving them work, almost demand that they multitask, right? Like they, they are saying, but can't you do that at the same time? And my advice has always been explain to them what it takes for you to be effective and efficient at your work and go from there. But it has certainly caused more than a little stress on a number of people to have 
you know, the expectation set that they multitask when they know, you know, even if it's, you know, not necessarily based in what they know about the research, but that for them, it's just not comfortable. And, um, and so that's been my advice is to have that conversation. But are there places where people might go? I mean, maybe your book is one of them, but where they might go to help others understand it's not just a, a preference, but that it's really, there's, there's a lot of, of research and brain science that supports this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I think that's really valuable advice that you give people. And, and personally, you know, I'd like to change the culture around this because for years it's been celebrated that, you know, bosses want, employers want, um, you know, employees who can multitask. And people mm-hmm. put that on their resume. I'm a great multitasker. <laughs> You're right. You're right. Yeah. They do. Yeah. It's glorified. And then like celebrity culture, you know, all these celebrities with their side hustles and side businesses, like, and they make it look like they're doing it all. And, you know, a lot of them have <clears throat> pretty large teams that are, mm-hmm. are helping them mm-hmm. do it. So that's right. As an individual, like if you're really trying to have all these side businesses and side hustles and multiple careers and all that, it's harder than it looks for a lot of people you see on social media. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think we have to, you know, shift the culture a little bit and, um, and, and have it be acknowledged that, you know, people can do their best work if they're given the time and the space to focus and then mm-hmm. they can be rewarded for that. Mm-hmm. I think um, as far as resources, um, you know, my book, the 12 mile task, do one thing at a time to do everything better is a great one. Um, there are people doing things online recently who I've, I've partnered with, and I, you know, talk a little bit about what they're doing. There's a woman um, who's doing like online Zoom sessions where people can spend an hour focusing together. Um, it's called Space Time Monotasking. There's another uh, business that's called the Academic Writer Space that's doing this basically for students and dissertation writers. Like knowing that over the last couple of years, especially during the pandemic people have had a hard time focusing and they're isolated working at home. How do you create, you know, a distraction free environment and have people kind of work alongside each other, have like a compatibility or, you know, mm-hmm. accountability partner sit next mm-hmm. to you virtually and you both get your work done. Um, so I think those are great resources. There's a lot of people doing interesting work around um, going phone free and kind of experiencing that. Yeah. Either while you're going to a museum um, or out in nature, there's something called the Go Brick movement and something called the Look Up movement that are all kind of taking this idea of, you know, if you, if you eliminate the distractions and the multitasking temptations, um, you know, what can you accomplish and how can you focus mm-hmm. better? Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, thank you. Um, you know, I, there's, there's so many places that I think have somewhat, um, uh, kind of infiltrated our daily lives and even our expectations where I, I like the idea of the look up movement <laughs> because I, I I have been fascinated at restaurants, whether they're couples or families. So many people um, are, are on their individual devices and not having conversations. And so in one way, you know, it's a way to reconnect with, people you care about um 
as you say, and, you know, family, what have you. I, I remember, and this was years ago, I'm, I'm going to guess this was probably 10 years ago uh, in LaGuardia Airport. I was the first place I saw this, but there, the, the terminal I was just to fly out of had a restaurant. And at the restaurant, I could not make this up. They had iPads connected to, um, you know, kind of a, a, a place where it would, it was kind of bolted down, but it was um, in, in where people were in couples, not for people at a table, but in the, the place where there were couples, each person had this iPad um, in front of them. And I guess you could pay to play games or check email or whatever, but it left a small area where you, um, you, you put your food to eat, but then right in front of you was the iPad, and each person had an iPad facing them. And I thought, that is the weirdest idea. And like I said, this was 10 years <laughs> ago. It's like, why would you go to lunch with someone and then want to be on a device in front of you. But I think it has, but th that was so long ago, but I think now it probably wouldn't, you know, it doesn't look that innovative or, or unusual. I'll put it that way for, for that to be present, but it just, it really kind of unsettled me just to see that that was where at the time where we were going. And I think, you know, it's important for, us and everybody's listening in to understand. I, I like, you know, kind of really I heard and like what you said is that it's a choice. And so um, when we put that phone down um, during the time where we're having a meal or when someone is sharing something with us, um, that's important because you are, you, you do have the ability to, you know, give feedback or someone's asking for an opinion, um, but um, to connect to the present, even if it's not the person, but just being staying connected to the present, I think is very important. So thank you so much for um, everything that you have contributed today, certainly added to me and I'm sure some other people listening in. Uh, do you want to share with anyone listening in where they might see you, uh, a Twitter handle, a, you know, a, a Instagram account, anything? Um, I know you have a great um, TED Talk. So if you want to share the name of that, but any other way people might connect to you. Yeah, absolutely. And thanks for the opportunity. Um, so I have two websites. One is monotasking.tips, and that's basically a companion to the book. Um, and then there are a website at thatcherwine.com. And um, from there, you can also look me up on Instagram, which is the main social media I'm on, and learn more about the book and monotasking and some of the work I'm doing with Juniper Books as well. Excellent. Excellent. Thank you so much. And like I said, uh, we'll be watching and listening to you in the future. Hope to hear from you again. Uh, but until then, go well, stay well. Thank you. You too.